I'm so glad you're here today because it'd be very lonely without you on, Christmas, you know, on Thanksgiving weekend. But even more than that, we're going to, we do once something, we, well, we do this regularly here at Grace, a couple times a year, where we do a question and answer time. And I'm just going to tell you, I don't know what questions are going to be asked. So this is off the cuff. Uh, you get me for what I am and, and uh, I might offend you today. It's okay. I'll probably offend myself. That's great. All right. And so uh, I am, let's just have fun with this today. My goal and heart for this is that you will learn something, uh, understand something a little differently, and that you'll have the opportunity to take a, a great step towards Jesus today. Is that fair? All right, so Tammy Van Dam, come on up on stage here. She's going to help us with this. She's the moderator. She's the star of the show. Yes, amen. And uh, so uh, her and I are going to just kind of dialogue back and forth. And, and uh, I think the number that was on the screen is right there on the screen. So if you have your questions, just text, text them in. We might not get to all of them. Uh, please be patient with us in that regard because last service we were just overwhelmed by a lot of questions. So let's just go and let's just see what, where God takes us today. Yeah. All right? Awesome. Hi. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Good, good. You feeling good? You feeling ready? I'm ready. All right. I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Shake it off. Yeah. Get <laughs> Stretch limber your, okay. up. All right. All get right. ready. Okay. All right. I love this. I love question and answer day. It's one of my favorites because it's a great way for us to learn yeah. and to grow together is because you got a question. You got to ask questions. Yeah. So I'm yeah. just going to say before you start mm -hmm. ans asking, I'm just a student of the word. I'm not an expert. And so uh, I hope that you will approach the Bible that way. I mean, I've just been studying it for a while and uh, I don't know that anyone arrives at their full understanding of what scripture has to say. I don't think you can. And so uh, Tammy's also a student of the word. So I'm thrilled that she's helping us today. So let's go. All right, let's go. First question, I'm going to hit you off with a doozy. All right, a doozy. Right. I like doozies. <laughs> Can you explain the Trinity? No. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. So, or your thoughts on that, maybe. Okay, I mean, uh, oh, so that's a different question altogether. Let me have, give you my thoughts on the Trinity. So I want to tell you, I have a Master of Divinity, um, which means it's like a 96-hour master's level uh, theological degree. And I don't understand the Trinity. I just don't because it's impossible to understand completely. It's how God reveals himself. God reveals himself as one God in three distinct persons. Not, you know, not together, three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Each one has a role in our salvation. Each one has a role in our sanctification, in how he makes us like Jesus. And so it is how God reveals himself. In the very beginning, in Genesis chapter one, it says, let us make man in our image. So we discover right from the very beginning that God reveals himself as a triunity, as a plurality. So one God, there's not three gods. There is one God who manifests himself in three distinct personalities. That is God's revelation to man. It is unnatural, it is unknowable, and the only thing you can do is accept how God has revealed himself by faith. That's the only thing you can do. Otherwise, you'll spend a lifetime scratching your head going, I don't know what that means. Just accept it, and uh, it's, you know, it, God's mystery. You understand that? If God were completely knowable, then you and I would, you and I would be God. And so, because God is unknowable, in his, in his totality, 
uh, we have to accept certain things as an act of faith on our part. And he eventually gives us an understanding and, and, and grows our understanding. But the Trinity is something that you just have to come to approach God and say, okay, wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. One God, three distinct personalities. Mm-hmm. So that's my take. Yeah. Okay. You okay with that? All right. Okay. <laughs> Another good one. You, these questions are I not, thought you were going to ask me uh, easy no, ones. No softballs for you today. Okay. No, no. Okay. Not this service. <laughs> There's so much suffering happening everywhere. So why does God allow this to happen? So much what stuff? Suffering. Oh, yeah. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask him that when I get to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> so... This is my take on suffering, and I want you to know I've had my share of it. And uh, so having said that, I believe that for God, God's purpose for us is to be, to be a responder to his love, right? Do you understand that? God reveals himself as the God of love, but we're, what he desires from our life is not for you and I to be robots, but to be responders. And so as you think about, you think about suffering, and you think about evil, and you think about good, because, you know, we would, we would associate primarily evil with, uh, with, you know, suffering and evil together, right? Would that, wouldn't that be a natural process, you know? But here's the reality, is that for God, for us to love God, there has to be choice. Mm. There has to be choice. God could have created us as robots. He could have created us to, um, you know, just function in a certain way, but he chose us with a, with, a, with a mind and a will and choice. And for, for that to take place, for love to take place, there has to be that, that dynamic. And for that dynamic to take place, there has to be legitimately good stuff and legitimately evil stuff. So they have to exist side by side. And here's the promise that God gives to us, not that we'll be exempt from suffering. I wish that was the case, not the case. But what he promises that he will come someday and he will right the wrongs that were in this world. Mm. That's the hope of the kingdom to come. That he will come and wipe every tear from our eyes and that he will come and he will make things right in our lives and in the world's lives. So suffering is inevitable and suffering is a part of choice. So that's my take on why God allows suffering in the world. If if there was no suffering, there would be no choice. If there was no evil, there'd be no choice. Kind of going along with that same question, there was a, another question that I had read earlier that kind of goes with that. Um, why do some suffer so much more than others? Gosh, that's a great question. Mm. Why? It seems like some people get the easy button. Have you ever noticed that? Some people just kind of get the they, you know, they kind of, they get to push the button and they get a little suffering, but not a lot. Uh, I don't understand why that is true. That's a mystery that God uh, has not revealed to me personally. Uh, I lost my son almost a year ago and went through a measurable amount of grief and anguish over that. Uh, I've had an illness for 10 years that I've had to manage and try to figure out and how to be here at Grace and, and, um, and, uh, and, and a lot of other things that happen just, as, just because I'm in ministry. I mean, just bad things happen to people that are in ministry. And people have attacked me. Can you imagine people attacking me? I can't <laughs> imagine that. Can you tell me? No. 
and uh, saying things about my mother and I, that she's in heaven. I don't even know why they talk about my mother now. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, that's a, this is what I do know. It, it comes down to the same, same thing that I said just a few minutes ago. Uh, if you've had a measurable amount of suffering, you're going to have a measurable amount of grace mm. because God gives us grace in the midst of suffering. So if you want grace, you have to accept suffering. And I said this a minute ago, God is going to take all things and make them right. And forever and ever and ever and ever, I'm going to be in his presence. I'm going to be, I'm going to rule with him according to scripture. And I'm going, he's gone to prepare a place for me and I'm going to come and he's going to come back for me. Not for you, but just for me. (laughs) I'm kidding. You you acted like I was was serious. He's going to come back for us and uh, we will reign with him forever and ever and ever. And, uh, so this life is but a moment mm-hmm. compared to what's coming next. Mm-hmm. So don't get, don't get tripped up in this life because right. this is just, I mean, yes, just yesterday I graduated from high school <laughs> yeah. and here I am on stage with you, Cammie. <laughs> okay. There's so much hope in that. Though. There is, there that is, is hope. That's good hope. <laughs> yeah. It's hope because <laughs> it goes quicker as you get to the end. Really I'm just does. saying. <laughs> really does. All right. Here's a good one. What's the difference between, we just had baptism, that was last week, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's the difference between water baptism and a baptism of the Holy Spirit? Can you explain the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Okay, that, that's a great question. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit was an, an event that came upon the church, Acts chapter 2, where the Spirit of God came upon the church. And if you read Acts chapter 2 very carefully, what happened was is there were there were people from all different languages and, and they began to speak in languages and everybody understood them. And it was, a miraculous, it was a miraculous thing that happened at what we call Pentecost. That was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That was an historical event, came three times in the history of the church. One for Jews, one for Gentiles, and one for Samaritans, where there was this amazing work. So the question is, is what... Is that something that I would look for today? Is that something that I would look for a reoccurring? So I have this miraculous, miraculous experience where uh, some, the Spirit comes upon me. The answer is no. The moment you get saved, you are baptized into the body of Christ. That's what Ephesians, or Romans chapter 6 says. I've been bapt- I have been baptized into the body of Christ. So the baptism of the Spirit is when the Spirit of God seals you until the day of your redemption. Different than water baptism. Water baptism is an expression of that inward reality. So I'm ba- I get baptized because I'm expressing what God has done for me and in me and through me. Mm. Mm, excellent. So there you excellent. go. That's Great my answer. take on it. Love it. Now so, I'm going to tell you, can go I just keep ahead. going yeah, on keep being going. controversial you here? Go for it. <laughs> there are whole churches that build theology around you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and I'm just going to, can I just be honest with you? <laughs> yeah, I'm going, I, I'm going to try, I'm going to try it. Let's try it once and see how it works for me. Okay. Um, in my illness, I've, I had people come to me and say, you know, if you just had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you could be healed. And I'm going, really? Okay, let's, let's do it then. And I frustrated them because it didn't happen for me. And I'm just simply saying is there's a lot of, there's denominations that are built around that experience and there are some churches that tell you that unless you speak in tongues as they did in Acts chapter 2, you're not saved. And I'm just simply saying that's not what Paul said in, the, in his letter to the Corinthians. 
not all speak in tongues. And so uh, I know this is controversial stuff, but if you rightly divide the word of God, it will begin to make sense to you. Mm. Mm. Love it. All right. All right. Just get to know you a little bit. What's your favorite Bible verse? My favorite Bible verse is um, found in Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. It's my life verse, actually. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your steps. Every time that I do a mic check at Grace Church, I quote that verse. You do. I do. You, do. I, they, people, you know, our soundboard going, do you have another one? <laughs> no, I don't. That's the only one I know. It's the only verse that I know in the entire Bible. So yeah. that's my favorite one. Why do, you need another, why do you need another one? I don't know. I'm kidding. All right, come on. Give me a break. <laughs> All right, give us some of your wisdom here. When and how uh, can we talk to our kids about godly relationships versus cultural views of relationships? Not sure exactly where that question is going. Uh, I think the word of God has to be the standard of what it means to have a, any kind of relationship, mm-hmm. right? So that becomes the standard. So we make that the standard. How do you do that? You You have a regular time where you are with your children are uh, encouraging them by reading the Bible to them and by um, being in the kind of relationship with them that the Bible talks about. I mean, if you think about relationships, the Bible defines what, what, what a father's supposed to do with a son or what a husband is supposed to do with his wife. I mean, relationships are clearly defined within the scripture and so we can't pick and choose which ones we like. We have to take all, the, all of God's revelation and say, okay, this is, and I just think this is, the, this is the, my take. I think you take every opportunity, not forcing it down a child's throat, but take every opportunity uh, to have teachable moments and use it as an opportunity to draw them to an understanding of who God is. Every chance mm-hmm. you get. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's all I got. <laughs> all right. How are we doing? All right. Are we having fun yet? We're, we All are. right, good. <laughs> All right, this is, a, this is a question that's on a lot of people's minds. Uh, there's been a couple of these. Uh, what does God think about what's happening in Israel? And I'll add to that, even in our own country with, um, with people from Jewish descent. Okay, so the question then, the root of this question is, why do people hate Israel? Yeah. Isn't that right? I mean, that's the question we're asking here. And the answer to that question is found in the Bible. And it's found in Genesis. And uh, you remember the story of Abraham? Abraham was approached by God and said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations and I'm going to, I'm going to give you an offspring. And, uh, and out of this offspring, ultimately the promise of the Messiah would come. And Abraham was old and his wife Sarah was old and they got impatient with this promise. And so they came up with a plan <laughs> that said, you know what let's do? Let's, uh, let's figure out, hey, you got Hagar, that handmaid of yours. Abraham, why don't you go in and sleep with her? And, and, and then that can be the promise that God gave. And so that happened and Ishmael was born. And from that moment forward, Israel has never had another day of peace since that day in Genesis. Because Abraham went outside of the will of God. And as a result, his, the consequence of that going outside of the will of God was a place where, um, you know, and scripture says in the book of Genesis that Hagar always persecutes Israel, always. And so the, the hatred comes from jealousy and animosity and, and it comes from these two, these two sons and these two promises 
And uh, I'm just saying that's why you see what you're, what's going on in Israel today. It's not new. It's prophesied in the scripture. You know, in the end of the age, all the nations are going to rise up against Israel. And God is going to come back and, and uh, give him the divine zapper. And um, <laughs> all the nations around. And, and that's called the Battle of Armageddon, by the way. If you, if you haven't studied the Bible, that's what it's called. And, uh, but that's the source. That's the source of the hatred of the world against Israel. It goes back clearly into the book of Genesis. Excellent. Excellent. By the way, can I just, let's talk about the end of the age for a few minutes, can we? Yeah. Is it today? That's the question. So is. is this war in Israel a mark of the end times? Mm -hmm. The answer to that question is maybe, I don't know. But here's what I do know. Scripture says there'll be wars and rumors of wars and don't, don't be troubled by that. The main mark of the end of the age isn't wars and rumors of wars. The main mark of the end of the age is that there is a, a rising figure called the Antichrist who comes along in the middle of war and, and enters a covenant with Israel. And in this covenant with Israel, he offers Israel protection from all the rest of the nations around Israel. That's what we look for. And in this process, this covenant is made uh, the Antichrist fulfills it for three and a half years and three and a half years into this covenant, what happens is, is that the Antichrist goes into the, goes into the temple of God, desecrates the temple. That's called the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, spoken of by Jesus, spoken of by Paul. The book of Revelation is written all about it. So that's the mark. The mark is this rising figure that offers world peace to Israel, mm. protection. Mm. and then violates the covenant. That's what we're looking for as believers. Mm. Yeah, good stuff. Now you know more than you wanted to know, right? <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> okay, so this is a good one. How do I learn to forgive myself for my past? I know God's forgiven me, but I'm stuck in guilt and shame. That's really a, that's a hell, hellish place to be, right? Mm. How do I learn to forgive myself? Well, my first question to you is, are you smarter than God? The answer is no. So if God forgave you, if God forgave you and washed you thoroughly from all of your sins, cleansed you by the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ is sufficient to save you to the uttermost. So it's not a matter of forgiving yourself in my opinion. I think that's just psychological talk. I think it comes down to accepting what Christ has done for you on the cross. Pure and simple. You know what the greatest sin that you could ever commit in this world is? I'm going to tell you what it is because I want you to know. It's found <laughs> we we want to know that. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest sin you could ever commit, it's not adultery or idolatry or, or witchcraft. That's not, those aren't the greatest sins. Do you know what the greatest sin you could ever commit? It's devaluing the blood of Jesus. That's found in the book of Hebrews. It's attributing less than it is. The blood of Jesus Christ saves to the uttermost mm. to the uttermost so if you're having trouble forgiving yourself stop trying to forgive yourself and walk into mm. the forgiveness that God gives you at the cross that's the answer it's at the cross that you find redemption and sanctification and power and the ability the ability to have psychological wellness in my opinion mm. yeah yeah, yeah. Good. That's true freedom right there. It is. It is true freedom. 
All right, so what is the church's leadership's view on gay marriage, the LGBTQ community? And what does scripture say about, about that as well? Yeah, so Grace Church stands with the Bible, right? So if you've been here for a while, if you've been to Life at Grace, you know that we take a position that we believe that the Bible is, an, is the authority of word of God. So that's our position, is what does the Bible say about it? And we believe that the Bible uh, is very clear about the, the, the idea that there is a man and a woman and that that is the marriage that God has ordained. And what we have and what we're going to see towards the end of the age is all sorts of aberrations from the word of God because we're going into a place where anarchy reigns in the end of the age. So having said that, I want you to now know something else. So the question, you know, why is it that we don't get up and hammer that down people's throats every weekend? Why is it that we don't take, you know, why don't we just take public stands? And, and I, I'm going to tell you why. And uh, I want you to listen to this with an open heart. We follow Jesus here. And when you look at the life of Jesus, there were, there were some religious leaders that wanted Jesus to take public stands against sinful people. He was at parties and they said, don't you know who you're hanging out with? They were people, of, they were prostitutes and, and all sorts of other immoral things that were going on. And Jesus never, never opened his mouth in condemnation. He drew to them because the reality is, is the only way you can get to heaven is through a relationship with Jesus. And that's what we want people to have is a relationship to Jesus. The answer, the answer to every sinful condition is a relationship to Jesus. And the only way you can have that is not through condemnation, not through, not through public stands, not through me standing on a, a street corner yelling at people. It is by being in relationship with people who are far from God and loving them right where they're at, not expecting them to be where I'm at, but me reaching out into their world and being with them. And so there's that balance between the love of the sinner and the love of God and hating the sin. It's not that we don't hate the sin. We know how destructive it is. It's that we love people more. Mm. And that is that. Mm. That's found within our DNA at Grace Church. Mm -hmm. uh, we believe that God always leads with grace. And judgment, you know what's interesting is, this is something you might not know, that in the book of Isaiah, there's a strange work that happens in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah calls it a strange work. You know what God's strange work is? It's judgment. God's strange work is judgment. His normal work is grace. God is in the business every day of pouring his grace out on this planet. Mm. And that is so amazing and so powerful and so encouraging. So there you go. That was probably more than you wanted to know, but I'm gonna, I no, gave, it, gave you the whole tamale that's anyway. That's good. The strange work is judgment? The strange work is judgment. Mm. I love that. Okay. All right. Made me think something new. Thank you. It's good to learn, isn't it? <laughs> I love it. All right. So what is Grace's view on once saved, always saved? And what is Grace's view um, on Calvinism? Why does Grace not practice communion regularly there's a lot of questions in there but let's start with once saved always saved okay so we don't I don't use that phrase once saved always saved but here's what the reality of salvation is remember what I said to you that the most important thing for us to understand is never to devalue the blood of Christ mm. 
So the question is, is that when a person comes to Christ, is that, is the blood sufficient to get me to heaven? Apart from my works, apart from anything that I do. And the answer is, of course it is. Of course it is. Mm. And I didn't get saved back in 1977. I didn't get saved back in 1977 by my works. And I'm not going to stand before God based on my works. I'm going to stand by, before God on the basis of his work. So having said that, this is what Jesus said about you and me. And you'll hear me say this at Life of Grace. If you ever come to Life of Grace, you'll get to, me, you'll get to hear me say this again. In John chapter 6, Jesus uh, says these words. This is the words of Jesus. All that the Father gives me, I will lose none. All that the Father gives me, I will lose none. That means that when you come to a place of Jesus, when you, when you, when you, when you enter Jesus' life, you didn't do that accidentally. You were drawn there. You were brought there by the Holy Spirit of God. All that the Father gives, he will lose none. He will lose none. He will raise them up the last day because his work is sufficient. So that doesn't mean that everyone who professes Jesus is actually a possessor of Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's where it gets very confusing. But when you have a saving faith in Jesus, it is not temporary. It's for all eternity. And, and to think anything less than that, I believe, smile when I say this to you, you can be mad at me if you want. I don't care. I love people mad at me. Um, except for my wife. I don't like her when she's mad at me. <laughs> but the reality is, is that salvation is not your work. It's God's work. Mm. It's God's glory. You're, gonna, you're not getting glory for your salvation. He is. And so because it's his work, he's going to finish what he has begun in your life. Mm. And that may mean you fall away for a time. It might be a lot of different things. But the reality is he's going to finish what he began inside of your life. That's a very powerful thing. I stay away from words like once saved, always saved, because that has an implication that I can, I can, I can name Jesus and then live any way I want to. And I don't think that's what scripture, I don't think that's what scripture talks about when it talks about salvation by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus. I think salvation is when I join my life with Jesus' life. Mm. And when that happens, that's eternal security. Yes. And the book of Ephesians is written all about that. Mm -hmm. We are sealed until the day of redemption. We are given the unredeemable down payment of the Holy Spirit to guarantee that our salvation is secure. Amazing. By the way, do you know what the mark of the, a true child of God is? Oh, this is so good. You're going to like this. <laughs> when you step out of line, Jesus disciplines you. That's the book of Hebrews too. That's the mark of a genuine believer that when I, when I willfully act in sin, my father takes me to the woodshed. That's not a politically correct <laughs> statement, but he does. And uh, he has for me. <laughs> All right. Now, what, what else we got there? I've got... Was that too we, much for you? Let's right. try. I think we might have time for maybe one more. Uh, why should I bother to pray if God's going to do what he wants to anyway? Okay, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. I think there's a fairly big misunderstanding about prayer. And prayer isn't me changing God's mind about anything. It's not that at all. Prayer is about relationship. 
Prayer is about establishing a communication with God. And sometimes God answers things and sometimes he doesn't. And fr frankly, no pun intended, I, um, I have more prayers not answered than answered. That's just my story. Uh, but every once in a while, I intersect with something God wants to do and, and he does it. But the reality is, is that's really not the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is relationship. It's establishing a relationship with God that's based on communication. And when I, when I understand that, then why wouldn't I want to pray? Even if he doesn't answer my prayer, it's still about relationship, right? That's good, right? Tell me that's good, okay. Yeah, that is good. That is good. So, sadly, we are kind of out of time. Uh, there's so many questions. Wow, this one a lot faster than It goes the last so fast. Bit. And there's so many great questions, and we can't get to all of them. I was told that... Uh, there will be follow-up on your question. So if your question wasn't answered today, someone will follow up with you on that because there's so many really good questions. Um, so stay tuned. But um, I have a question that I do want to ask okay. you, though, regarding next Sunday. Next Sunday is kind of a big day. The big give, right? The big give, yeah. Yeah, for For the One. So you're going to be announcing the results? Yes, we yes? are. So okay. next Sunday, we're still tabulating, by the way. The reason we haven't come to you and said, here's what they are, is we're still, we're still getting cards, pledges in. And so we're still, as we are speaking, it, the number is increasing, increasing, increasing. And so next Sunday is, in fact, the, you know, the, what we call, we're calling the big give. And by the way, there is not... Uh, it's not too late for you if you'd like to join mm -hmm. in with us still and be a part of that. It would be great. It'd be awesome. Uh, it's, not, it's not too late. There's pledge cards probably out in the foyer. I don't know. I was, wasn't out there this morning. And, uh, and by the way, uh, you probably won't see me out after, afterwards either because uh, this Thanksgiving, I got to battle COVID. <laughs> and so uh, this is my first day out of, of COVID prison. <laughs> so... so uh, I'm trying to keep my distance from people, even though I'm not sick anymore. I'm just trying to be healthy and make sure you're healthy as well. So I'm not going to be out there. But I think there's cards out in the foyer is my point. And so that's my, that was what I was trying to make, right? Thank you. All right. Yes. So, um, so what else do we want to talk okay. about? I don't know. I got lost I there. do. Here's what I, one other thing I want to know is how does the year-end gift work with For the One? That, yeah, that's a great yeah, question. Yeah, we want to know. We want to understand that. So this year, next weekend, we're going to do a, a gift a little differently. We always have year-end gifts. So this year, the year-end gift will go for the one with an emphasis on the for the one counseling center. And so uh, this is kind of like, this is, we're not calling it this, but this is kind of like next weekend uh, is kind of like a first fruit part of, the, of your commitment to for the next two years. And so it's going to be a big day. It's going to be a big month, and uh, we're very, very excited about what God is going to do. And just so you know, we're projecting to open For the One Counseling Center by the summer of 2024, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. 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 That really is amazing. Yeah. I love that. That is so great. 20, summer of 2024. That's fast. That's six months from now. I know. Roughly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah. I love it. So I just want to clarify that the giving period for For the One begins on December 1st, correct? That's correct. Okay. Starting next weekend. Next weekend. Everything that comes into Grace Church goes to For the One, mm -hmm. and which includes this big umbrella of things that including general giving and uh, mental health and, you know, leadership development. All that is, is incorporated into it. 
and uh, it's going to be a very exciting two years. Put your seatbelt on. I know, yeah. Because you're going to see some amazing things happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's awesome. Will you please pray us out? I would. Love All to right. pray for you. So fun. my prayer for you is that I've made you a little uncomfortable today and maybe stretched your thinking because we don't grow unless we're uncomfortable and, st- and our, our thinking is stretched. And so I might have said some things today that you're going, mm, wow, really? I challenge you to go to the Word of God as a student, mm-hmm. not as an expert, as a student, and see whether these things are not so that I've, set, I've spoken of today. Mm-hmm. I'm not the expert. I want you to go to the one who is the expert, which is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, and figure that out for yourself. Is that a deal? All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for everyone here. And my prayer, God, is that you will just take um, this time that we've spent together and use it in a very powerful and awesome way. Thank you, Lord, for every question. Thank you for every, everyone here today. Lord, we just want to be good stu- students of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, amen. thanks for coming. Thank you, Pastor Dan.